Welcome to Learning to Lead, a leadership development podcast from Cleveland Clinic. I'm Emily Grimes, and today we're returning to the topic of inclusive leadership with Dr. James Heckman, the medical director for the West Region. There's so much to be learned on how leaders live inclusion in their work, and my colleague Elizabeth Pugel sat down with Dr. Heckman to hear his story and learn how he connects to inclusive leadership. Let's hear their conversation now. Today, we have Dr. James Heckman with us, and we are excited to have you to hear your perspectives on inclusive leadership. So Dr. Heckman, what does inclusive leadership mean to you? Well, one thing I'd say is inclusivity never happens by accident. I've come to learn that it needs to be intentional. An inclusive leader needs to be more than being open to diversity. It needs to be a stated goal It needs to be highlighted with every decision, and it needs to be measured. It's human nature to feel more comfortable with people who look and talk and relate like you. To counter this natural tendency, inclusion needs to be intentional. Has there ever been a time where you felt not included? And if so, what was the impact on you? The time in my life when I felt most excluded was sometime now when I started college. I received my actual degree from the University of Michigan, but before that, um, I spent the first year of study at a mid-sized religious college in Western Michigan. It was an easy and expected move after high school for me to begin with this college. A good percentage of my Christian high school class enrolled at the school, which was respected academically and was relatively affordable for a private school. So I basically went with the flow and signed up to attend as did many of the students who I had gone to high school with, and and then I also signed up to live in the dorms. I had come from a really homogenous, very religious community. At the same time, I was coming to understand that I was different than nearly all of the incoming freshman class at that college. Wow, Dr. Heckman, that's a very reflective moment in your life. The socialization in the dorms and in the school generally was evangelically focused and centered on obtaining a degree while also creating a family. In the late 80s, culture was different than it is today and someone who was starting to identify as LGBT couldn't really find a place to fit in. Events weren't designed to be inclusive. Career networking wouldn't support an LGBT person living openly. I never really felt bullied. but there were some moments of microaggressions and some intolerance on campus. Mostly though, people were good and well-meaning, but didn't know how to deal with me. They didn't know how to process who I was, which led to a more comfortable avoidance. This sounds like a tricky situation. How did this make you feel? So there was an extended period of time for me when I felt like an other, I felt excluded. And that led to a pretty significant depression for a year. This led to the decision to leave that college and transfer to the University of Michigan, which is my real first introduction to diversity as an adult. There were so many different experiences and cultures and backgrounds in one location. I thrived there and what was once the hardest time in my life became quickly the the most exciting and rewarding. That sounds like it was a really tough experience for you, Dr. Heckman. 
How did this early experience in your life impact how you practice inclusive leadership today? Thanks for that question. I try, with the emphasis on the word try, this is a work in progress, to ask questions of members of my teams. I want to know who they are as people, even if it is as different to me as night is today. I remember those days when I felt excluded, when questions about my experience were missing by those who led and I want to create teams where everyone's experience is meaningful, is heard, and contributes to a greater understanding of our shared humanity, and in turn leads to better problem solving. That's the goal, at least. I love that idea of understanding our shared humanity and how it leads to better problem solving, and really to building stronger relationships, right? So what have you learned from relationships with other leaders about being inclusive? There have been so many wonderful inclusive leaders that I've encountered at Cleveland Clinic. Uh, so just kind of tracing my time with the clinic back, uh, when I first started clinical practice, there were many leaders in what we now call 4C, but was called the Medicine Institute at the time, who role modeled support for inclusion in our clinical practices. And I personally felt welcomed by them at Cleveland Clinic. And at the beginning of my leadership journey, as we started to explore improving the visibility of LGBTQ plus people, uh, Kelly Hancock, Dr. Kelly Hancock, Steve Jones, Ed Sabani, and Brian Donnelly really stood out as um, people who demonstrated inclusive leadership. They encouraged and guided me and others from different backgrounds to consider trying our hand at new roles. Regional operations as the group that I work with um, has really emphasized developing inclusive leadership in recent years. You can see that in the current mix of leadership within regional operations. Uh, but personally, I remember Tom Abelson, medical director at Beachwood, who's retiring this year. He frequently would stop by my office or have short, encouraging conversations in the lunch spot at the Beachwood Family Health Center. He gradually and persistently encouraged me to consider additional leadership responsibilities. Josh Miller um, has been a valued mentor for me and he's always treated me with candor and support. I feel like he knows me as a person and our professional relationship is built on that authenticity and respect. Uh, he's developed similar relationships with, I know with each of our medical directors and he's placed diversity and inclusion as a top priority. So these are some of the folks, uh, there are many more, but these are some of the folks who really have stood out to me uh, from my own particular unique leader diversity experience. What I'm hearing is that you've benefited from leaders taking the time to get to know you personally. And during that time, those relationships have helped build respect and allow you to feel valued. What are the three to four qualities that you feel are most important to inclusive leadership? Great question. Uh, I think besides being intentional, which is, uh, what I think is the most important of all of these. Um, I think it's really essential to create a culture of psychological safety where people feel comfortable and they're actually expected to speak up. I also believe inclusivity should represent the community that's being served. There's no formula or single system to create inclusivity. Uh, it really should represent those uh, in, the, in the region, the area, uh, that is being served, it should mirror that community. Thank you for those thoughts, Dr. Heckman. 
So why do you think it's important for people and leaders to be inclusive, to create that culture of safety and be representative? So I would say that it's important to create diverse teams because diverse teams make stronger teams. I think the ideas of psychological safety and intentionality are key. Um, and in creating a team of people of differing backgrounds, those experiences help the team, those varied and different experiences help the team arrive at the right answer for any particular question that comes along. So here's an example, um, something I've used before that I find kind of a neat example of soliciting different opinions. So there was a study done online asking 17,000 people about to guess the weight of a cow at a state fair named Penelope. The average guess was 1,287 pounds. Now the cow Penelope weighed 1,355 pounds. So the average that was calculated was only off by about 68 pounds, about 5%. So you can assume with an online survey that 17,000 people were a pretty diverse bunch. And the reason you can get so close to the right answer is that each person's guess has a little different piece of information in it uh, based on a different experience, a different perspective. So the consensus of those viewpoints is the, the answer. It becomes very close to the, the correct answer. So as, as we build that in our teams, um, those teams become stronger uh, and more able to come to the solutions for situations that arise. Diverse teams that represent their communities are the strongest teams. Just like it's jokingly said that Cleveland Clinic buildings are built to withstand a hurricane, an earthquake, and a tornado all at the same time, I think we can build our teams that way. Uh, as with COVID, um, we can't predict for every scenario. What we can do is develop teams that have the capacity to adapt to changes as they occur. And an inclusive team has that ability to pivot more rapidly and more durably. What a great illustration on the value of diverse teams. Thanks for sharing those thoughts. You really painted a picture of why inclusive teams are so critical to our work at Cleveland Clinic. So if you could instill one inclusive quality in every person of our organization, what would it be? My advice would be to make it intentional. Inclusion takes work and it takes prioritization. It doesn't usually happen on its own. And the impact would be that the groups that lead us uh, look like the people they're leading and they are influenced by a number of different factors and backgrounds such that we're more likely to achieve the correct answer for any problem that presents itself. That's a wonderful piece of advice. As we conclude our podcast today, what would be your final thoughts that you would like to leave our listeners with today on inclusive leadership? So I think Cleveland Clinic does an outstanding job of valuing inclusive leadership. I think inclusion and uh, developing inclusive leadership teams is um, done intentionally in, in most of our areas. I think that as with any organization, we have room to grow. We can do better. We can do more. We're continuously improving. 
And podcasts like this one are an example of, of how we start that process. And that's our episode today. A huge thank you to Dr. James Heckman for being so open and sharing his thoughts and stories with us. Thank you as well to Elizabeth Pugel for being such an amazing listener. And most importantly, thank you for your time and willingness to join us as we learn to lead. Caregivers, if you're curious to learn more about inclusive leadership, head online to connect today and visit the Office of Diversity and Inclusion site or the Learner Connect page for more content from Mandel Global Leadership and Learning Institute. That's it for all of us at GLLI. Stay curious and keep learning.